last Sunday of 2019 to the last book of the Bible, Malachi. And the last few verses uh, turn to chapter 3, our last day together uh, on a Sunday anyway. And we don't have a Wednesday service, so effectively this is our last worship service together. Hey, if Jesus came back, that'd be great, right? We're already together anyway, right? We'd get above these rain clouds and we'd be standing on top of them. Wouldn't that, wouldn't that be awesome? No matter how many awesome plans you have in 2020, being with Jesus will be better, much better. Uh, wouldn't it be great? You, you would not have to see the doctor in 2020. You would just be with the great physician, all kinds of things. But uh, last Sunday, last book of the Bible, Malachi and I read two pieces uh, of the text, uh, one in the third chapter and one in chapter 4. So Malachi chapter 3, turn your attention to verse 16. If you don't have a Bible, raise your hand. We can put one in your hand. You can even keep it if you don't have a Bible. Malachi 3.16. Then those who feared the Lord, and I hope this is true of you, then those who feared the Lord spoke to one another. And the Lord listened and heard them. So a book of remembrance was written before him, before the Lord God, for those who fear the Lord and who meditate on his name. They shall be mine, says the Lord of hosts, on that day that I make them my jewels and I will spare them. All of your protection is from God. All of your value is from God. You're a jewel. If he makes you a jewel, you're protected if he protects you. You're remembered if he remembers you. As a man spares his own son who serves him, then you shall discern between the righteous and the wicked, between one who serves God and one who does not serve him. And there is a difference, and God knows which is which. Drop down chapter 4, uh, verse 4. Remember the law of Moses, my servant which I commanded him in Horeb before all Israel with the statutes and judgments. But there it is. Remember the law of Moses. Let's pray. Lord, we just ask for the work of your spirit to be poured out uh, among us on your word, on me. Uh, Lord, anoint this teaching. Uh, anoint our time together. Remove me once again from the equation that we might hear from Jesus, that I might hear from you. Even I'm, I'm speaking, I'm hearing from you, Lord. Preach to us, Holy Spirit, and let us have ears that are hearing, hearts that are soft. And Lord, help us to remember the things that matter and lay aside those things that don't. Lord, we thank you that you're watching you're listening, but not only that, you're prompting us to hold fast, to repent, to encourage and strengthen one another. For, Lord, you are closer to returning right now than at any point in human history, and we're grateful for that. And we're closer, Lord, to every prayer request being answered than we've ever been before. And we thank you for these things. Bless this Bible study, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We now know that our brains, whether you think you have a small brain or a large brain, but we now know that our brain 
fully records every single thing that we see. Scientists now know this. Our brain is recording. This whole time I've been standing here, you've been recording things you're not even aware of. Your brain, my brain, we now know fully records every single thing we see, every single thing we hear, every single thing we feel, every single thing we touch, smell, experience, even those things that we're not consciously aware of that are out of our peripheral, a glance, background sounds that you just tuned out, your brain's recording all of it, every single, you have a data center in your head that's recording it all, has the capacity to do this for, we don't know how long, but definitely for the life of a normal human being, but I'm guessing because people used to live a lot longer, it could record several hundred years of data, your brain, my brain. And all of it is 100% recorded accurately. As it actually happened, it's recorded uh, with complete accuracy, even those things that are in the subconscious. Um, Some of these subconscious things, they might even pop up in a future dream. You ever had that happen? You weren't even aware that you saw that. And here it comes in a dream, a whole bunch of things that don't make sense, just kind of get blended together. But our conscious memory, our conscious memory isn't near as accurate or reliable as what's recording. Isn't that interesting? Our conscious memory isn't near as reliable without some real effort and intention. The things that we need to remember, we have to actually work at it. Pretty commonly heard at our house goes something like this. Someone help me to remember to put this in the car. (laughs) I don't even know who we're speaking to sometimes. We just say someone. (laughs) Because there's five of us in the house. Whoever is here, someone help me to remember to put this in the car. Someone help me to remember to get this out of the garage. Someone help me to remember. Sometimes there's no one around and we'll say it. Maybe we're praying. I don't know. We've even put things right by the front door to not forget it and walk right by it. Has anyone else ever done this? Put it right. I mean, you would have to trip over it and somehow step glided right over it. Didn't make it. It didn't help that our subconscious had recorded this. How many of you have uh, gone to the store for one specific thing? One specific thing you went to the store for. And you picked up five or ten other things, but somehow actually forgot the only thing you went to the store for. It's why we have to make a list. And don't lose the list either. You have to make the list, have the list on you. And even if we do, even when we make a list, we get home and realize something should have been on the list that wasn't on the list, especially if it's part of a recipe for like some Christmas thing. You're like, how in the world is the only thing that you can't make this without? Back to the store. It's really bad when there's like 8 million people at Walmart around the holidays and you go do this. And when it comes to the things of God, the things that God wants us to remember, that he commands us to remember, it takes even more intention. Did you hear me? It takes even more intention. 
Our flesh is wired to be distracted and forgetful. It's the sin nature. It wasn't original, but after sin, our flesh is wired to be easily distracted and easily forgetful, especially in the spiritual realm. And by the way, kids, they have much sharper memories than adults. Be careful what you say around them. They will remember certain things. That's why they get on TV shows. They, uh, well, Dad said this, and they're like, whoa. <laughs> they even re- more readily can learn a second language because they can memorize. Um, but even kids, it takes extra intention and focus when it comes to the things of God. Uh, one child was asked if they remember the fifth commandment. Do you remember what you learned in Sunday school about the fifth commandment? And the child said, yes, the fifth commandment is to humor your father and your mother, to humor them. (laughs) Another one was asked, true stories, uh, was asked, what do you remember about Lot's wife? And his answer was, Lot's wife was a pillar of salt by day, and she was a ball of fire by night. Some of those stories just all got you know, thrown together, didn't they? Some of you ladies are a ball of fire by now. I'm sure of it. Uh, it's, interesting. it's interesting what we remember and what we don't remember and how we kind of get things mixed up. We can hear a commercial just once or twice and remember the whole thing. Now, music helps because music actually does help with memorization. Um, but we can, we can see a commercial, hear a commercial, and we'll just remember the whole thing. We'll, we'll remember movie lines to the lines. And then we'll read the same verse 25 times and can't remember it. How is that? Movie line, I saw the movie three times, I know every line. Read the same verse 25 times, can't remember how it even starts. There's a reason it's called Scripture Memorization. Scripture memorization. It ta- memorization takes work. The things that are of the flesh don't take any work. Your and my flesh is open to the path of least resistance, and so we can remember all these other things, but when God says it, we have a hard time getting it in our heads. And throughout the Scripture, there's a continuous reminder in passage after passage From the Holy Spirit, God keeps saying this word, remember. Remember. To not forget God's goodness, to not forget his faithfulness, his instructions, his provision, his power, his grace, his word, his help, his promises. Aren't you glad about the promise? I just quoted one. Those that wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. I'm believing that. I'm holding to that. So here in Malachi 3 and 4, God both sets the example with this book of remembrance, and he restates the imperative to remember the law of Moses. So he sets the example, but he restates the imperative. If you're taking notes, I've titled our study this morning. You can see it on the screen. Remember, on purpose and with purpose. On purpose and with purpose. Now, the context here of Malachi chapter 3 
It's a remnant. It's a small group of the children of Israel that have come to their senses, have decided against all the backdrop of a culture that goes through the motions of worshiping God but doesn't worship God. Sound familiar? It goes through all the emotions of just kind of, hey, yeah, yeah, we, we, we believe in the whole God that saved us out of Israel and all that stuff, but, but they have idolatrous hearts. But there's a remnant that fears the Lord, a remnant that says, we believe God even if it doesn't seem to be working. You ever been there? Even if it doesn't seem to be working. I've been there. I've been there times this year where I'm like, Lord, this does not seem to be working. I have that thought plenty of times. Lord, this does not seem to be working. You know there's verses for that? Lots of them, actually. But this remnant said they actually were a bit discouraged in the context. They actually were like, this is what they were really saying to one another. The world is, man, they're making money hand over fist in the stock market. They're not getting sick like we are. They have more money than us. Their kids are better looking. All these other things. They're just say whatever they. I don't know if they said that, but anyway, you, you get the idea. They were kind of looking at all these things. They're like, here we are. We're trying to believe what God says, and it's not working so well for us. We we kind of keep falling on our faces, and we're barely making ends meet. And but what did they decide? They decided. Here's what they decided. We're going to believe God anyway. And it said God heard from heaven. And he started writing a book about them in heaven, a book of remembrance. Isn't that amazing? That the, he wasn't even mad at them for having some doubt in their conversation. He was pleased that through wrestling with it, they came to the conclusion that, that we must fear God anyway. That's a good conclusion, isn't it? They remembered all the things that had happened in the past where David had these kind of struggles or Moses had, had these struggles, and they said, we're going to believe God anyway. In spite of the circumstances, they chose to remember. They chose to remember the faithfulness of God. It's a choice to remember. You don't have to, or you can choose to. And they begin to encourage one, one another. They start reminding each other to remember the truths of God. Are you a person that lifts people, says, hey, I, I, know what you're, I know that's all tough, but here's what God says. I'm feeling it too. Here's what God says. And God begins to record it. And I believe that he's been doing this throughout all of history with his children. I believe he's recording all those times that we keep trusting him. And we're going to see someday face to face. He's going to say, I was recording when you believed, even though things didn't seem so good. Even though it seemed like everything you did, you did the right thing, and it was working with the wrong result. Those that wait on the Lord. And even this... Remnant's faithful response, even though they respond with the fear of the Lord, God reminds them again in chapter 4, oh, by the way, you've come to the right conclusion, now you're worshiping me, now you're fearing me, but don't forget the law of Moses. Isn't that interesting? We can get to the place that we're remembering, we're worshiping, and God still will say, but tomorrow you might forget. Isn't that interesting? That one, He still reminds them one more time, Yet again, how quickly we forget. But as we come to the end of this year, I believe the Lord has reminded me to remind all of us to purposefully and intentionally 
remember the gracious work of God in our lives these past 12 months. I don't know if you've been thinking about any of this. I don't know if you've been thinking about what God has done in the last 12 months in your life. We had a theme this year, at the beginning of this year, being while becoming. Being while becoming. Understand that God has a work to do in us today, tomorrow a work to be done in us, and a long-term work to be done in us. Would you agree with that? There's something he wants to do in you right now, December the 29th. There's something he's not done with you this year. There's something he wants to do in you today, the 29th of December. But there's something that's for the 31st and into the new year and longer still that he's going to do in us. Again, we just got through the Christmas story. Little Mary had no idea when she was five and just kept surrendering her life to Jesus that as she became a teenager, then big doors would open up. Or Joseph, that he would be given that kind of responsibility. But there's a work to be done now and tomorrow and beyond. Our role, our role is to faithfully take the small steps of surrender and obedience daily to trust him with the results. The results for today, the results for tomorrow, the results for 2025. Five years away. And so I want to take a brief look back at the work of God and the will of God in two areas, just two, where the Lord would have us remember and reflect upon his word and his hand in our lives. To sincerely, sincerely, that's a big, that's a big key here. God always looks at the sincerity of our hearts. To sincerely and intentionally do this to reflect and remember, to do it with sincerity, to do it with intentionality, to reflect and remember, will stir within us a confidence in God, a gratitude towards God, a proper prioritization of God in our lives. Did you hear that third one? A proper prioritization in our lives. I know America doesn't think that attending church matters anymore. It still matters to God. Six days shall a man work, and the seventh day he shall rest. But it was also a Sabbath unto the Lord. It wasn't a Sabbath unto the NFL or unto the newspaper or unto this, that, or the other. It was unto the Lord, and so he wants us to prioritize our lives. And as we move into the new year, he's calling us to trust him, not less, more. We don't like that. You mean to trust you more might mean I have to take a walk on the tightrope every now and then. Yes. To trust him more, not less. To love him more, not less. Remembering, remembering in the spiritual realm is very closely related to recommitting. Does that make sense? Remembering as it relates to the spiritual realm is very closely related to recommitting, re-upping. Those of you in the military, you know what this is. You get to the point where you could say, I'm done or I'm signing back on. I don't know about you, but I'm signing back on with Jesus for another year. If he, if he would have me alive for another year, I'm signed up. But I need to remember what he's already done. I need to, it reinf- remembering reinforces our commitment as followers of Christ. And so these two things, let's look first at what God did. That's a big, broad umbrella, isn't it? What God did. Uh, We could spend hours, literally weeks, 
going one by one, person by person through here. We don't have that kind of time, but God's aware of everything that he's done. But often we're not aware of everything he's done. One of the reasons young David ran, I love this, he ran to the battle. God wants you and I to get to the place we start running to the battle and stop running from the battle. David ran to the battle. One of the reasons he ran to the battle was that he was able to reject the obstacle of fear and take on Goliath when nobody else would do it. There were other people that were able, but not willing. David ran to the battle. He rejected that fear, and he remembered that he remembered, God helped me with a lion. God helped me with a bear. Both those Animals can kill a person with ease. So it was miraculous. And he said, if God had done those two miraculous things, I think he can do it with Goliath too. His remembrance fortified his present need of faith. And as you look back on 2019, can you remember where God prompted you to take a step of faith? And then you saw him use it in your life. Maybe he convicted you of an area of sin or a weight or a habit that was holding you back. And you agreed with God and said, Lord, this is holding me back. It's blocking fellowship with you. It's blocking fruit in my life. And then you saw the fruit of laying it down or laying it aside And you agreed with him in saying, this is defeating and harmful to me. Lord, I'm going to give this up. It could be an attitude. I'm not just talking about, yeah, the really big sins. It could be an attitude. It could be an apathy. It could be a spiritual pride. I'm better than all these other people. Whatever it is, God says, this is defeating you. you. You can't move forward until this is dealt with. Perhaps looking at a different angle, perhaps uh, God placed someone in your life in this year that was just a total blessing to you. You didn't know him before this year, or you didn't know him well. You'd see him across the sanctuary or something, but he placed someone in your life that was a total blessing to you. You didn't deserve to have him in your life, and yet God says, I'm going to put this person in your life. Maybe he did something unexpectedly for you. I've had a number. I forget how many unexpectedly good things God did for me in a year, and I start to remember back. I'm like, how can I forget these things? Some of you journal well. Some of you have never journaled, let's be honest. Some of the men are like, I don't even know what a journal is. It's something my wife has in a flowery bag. It's mysterious. I don't know what it is. I journal at times. But I write my Bible a ton. My Bible is a living journal. It's like if there's margins, it's all over there. So I write in that a lot, but sometimes I'll journal. But it's good to remember all the unexpected things God did for you because we remember bad times so easily. This went wrong. This went wrong. The whole day was a mess, right? Just gifts of his grace. You've got to remember, Lord, all those were gifts of your grace. Maybe an act of generosity that came your way. 
an act of generosity, that someone was very generous towards you, whether it be just their loving disposition or maybe they actually did something for you that you weren't expecting. Maybe you were generous in a new area, a total new area for you to be generous with your time, with your gifts, with uh, the income God's given you. Maybe you were generous in a way you've not been generous maybe ever or in a long time in a new area. And then you experience God's goodness in doing it more than you, more than they even experienced it on their end. Because Jesus himself said it's better to give than receive. And that certainly happens. Even what we did or do for God, he actually did it in us for his glory. True? Anything we actually did or he did in us, it was all of him and it's always for his glory. Uh, the trip to Israel. I look just thinking back to some of the things that, you know, the trip to Israel was such a blessing. But of all of it, the most was baptizing people. They're saying, I, I just want to walk more with the Lord. I want to take those new steps. Beautiful to see the scriptures come alive and to see people that, you know, in this fellowship that had never been there before. It's kind of like watching Disney World through the eyes of kids. But it's a beautiful scene. Again, the spiritual impact. I'm so grateful uh, that God, God anointed us to pray more as a body in this past year. Quarterly prayers, more, uh, more 6 a.m. prayers. Some of those were just the most sweet anointed times. We started anointing with oil starting the summer, and every single last Wednesday of the month, we'd have a line of people here. And I believe some of them are going to be completely 100% healed, and I believe that the seeds that they planted, God will eventually, they're going to just shoot up out of nowhere, and it's because they waited on the Lord. Because they believe with childlike faith that God's going to honor this. Call the elders of the church, lay hands, James chapter 5. There's no power in us, but there's power in believing what God has said. And it was just an anointed times of prayer. The prayer gatherings, they have been, some of the Wednesday night prayer gatherings have been like a little slice of heaven. You can sense the presence of the Holy Spirit. The presence and the peace of the Spirit. Simple times, but powerful times. Hearing the testimonies of our Guatemala team back in September, that Wednesday night was an anointed night. Hearing the testimonies of so many that uh, that went on that team, um, there was hardly a dry eye here if you were here that night. All God. All God. It's just a little microcosm of all the things that he did. Prayers answered throughout the year. Or, you know, just saying, God answered this prayer. Dozens answered just in this room alone. Health needs that were met. Financial needs that were met discipleship needs, ministry needs. Yeah, I know there's a million things we're still praying for, but I'm still thankful for what God did. He doesn't tell us to sit there and harp on what hasn't happened yet. That's, anyone can do that. The people of God focus on what God has done. As I've said before, that outdoor courtyard, which was a disaster when the year started. I look at it and I was like, oh man. I could just blow the whole thing up and, you know, just start all over again. But that courtyard out there, it's slow transformation. And thank you, you know, Roy and John and those who have been helping on it. It's slow transformation reminds me of what God does with people's lives, right? You have to root everything out, get rid of all the weeds, level it, spend time. 
God does that in us. He's been doing that in us. He's been faithful to do that, to work in our lives. A couple of Sundays ago, um, a group of men that don't normally go into our uh, youth correctional facility ministry, but a couple of men, several of them were first-time visitors along with uh, some of the regular team that goes in there, went into the Bonaire Correctional Facility and ate just a couple Sundays and nights ago. Uh, by the way, and it, whenever, this just shows you what matters to God. If you ever post on social media that someone got saved, you'll get like three likes. If you post your favorite food dish, it's the most amazing thing that the world has ever seen. But in heaven, there's a party for one soul. There's not a party for the meal you had at an Italian restaurant. There's not. Now, I'm not against those things. I'm just telling you that we're predisposed. What matters doesn't matter, and what actually matters doesn't matter. And so they went in there a few Sundays nights ago. Eight men gave their lives to Jesus Christ. Eight young men. Eight young men. Yeah. We're, um, we're, in, the, we're in the city where, uh, where young people that have committed the most you know, if, if they're felonies that are, are past a certain line, they come to Richmond. And, you know, some of them will go straight to state penitentiary adult. As soon as that, they hit 18, they'll, they'll move on to state penitentiary. Uh, if we don't reach them, nobody will. And it's not just us. There's not some other churches that are in there. Matter of fact, we were in there with Clover Hill Church uh, this past Sunday night. But, um, you know, God, you know, God bless the stim- simple steps of faith. Uh, for the men that went in that night. I, I wasn't there that night. I was actually at a hospital visit. And some of the guys were in there, and I got the news that eight had uh, given their lives to Christ. I wasn't able to go in that evening. I did get to go in this past Sunday night and uh, help disciple them. And um, uh, when I went in, you know, just, just so you know, I went in last Sunday night white and wiped out tired. Christmas is not a restful time for pastors. I'm just telling you. It is a lot going on. Uh, and so I go in there tired, but after I walk, I could have ran a marathon because I've been in there many times over the last 12 years. I could tell, sometimes you can tell pe- when people really got saved, sometimes you're like, I'm not seeing this at all. You know, I, I get a lot of that where I'll meet people, yeah, I gave my life to Christ. And like two weeks later, I, they don't look a bit different. But this night was different. And uh, so I just, I left there, I could have ran a marathon. It just was, you could tell God had moved. And all you can be is thankful. I had nothing to do with it. I wasn't even part of that team. I just was there that night to help disciple, but God had done a work. It's probably the most Christmas-like thing I got to do the whole season because Jesus came to give, not to get. He came to give of his time to take a humble position, and God wants us to all learn that and grow in that. Just that, that simple gift of your time is huge. There's nothing God really needs from us at all, but it's what we surrender that he uses. He doesn't need anything. It's all, everything we actually have to give to God is fishes and loaves, period. Do you agree with that? That's all we really, I mean, that's what we have, and he takes it and multiplies it. We were there just a little more than an hour, but, um, you know, God does so much in small things, doesn't he? He takes small things and makes them big things. He multiplies them. But if you take the time and think about it, there's countless things God has done, countless in your life, countless in the ministry here, countless uh, in your family. And if we can't remember anything, and that, that, 
It, this is true. A lot of times I, when I talk to teenagers, hey, what did you hear from that? Did you hear anything we just said? You know, that kind of thing. Um, just give me one thing out of the thousand we just discussed. It's like the thousand blunts the ability to remember one. As a matter of fact, if you just talk about one, you might have a better chance. Talk about more than one, it goes to zero, right? As far as the ability to remember. But um, if we can't remember a th single thing God's done, it's usually because we won't take the time. Because you have to meditate. The Bible even said it in the text. You have to stop and think about it. You have to dwell on it a little bit. And then all of a sudden, if you can't think at all, just remember what God's done in his word. And so you have some passages here uh, in the scriptures. And this works. When you start to remember the things that the saints of old have sung about, you start to remember what God did in Egypt or what God did in Moses. Amazingly enough, all of a sudden you'll start remembering what he's done for you. Because the word is supernatural. It actually activates in the soul and the spirit. And so you'll start to remember, oh, yeah, I forgot about that in February. I forgot about that in July. I forgot about that in September. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Stirs that gratitude. Stirs that confidence when we can't remember what he did for us. If we remember what he's done for others, it will come back. All of a sudden, those things will reappear in our mind. The second thing, not just what God did, but... Let's consider in the last few minutes together what God said, what he has said. And again, that's a broad, I mean, many of you have your own personal devotions. Collectively, we've read thousands of verses in this room, thousands, all of us combined, not including what I've taught on on Sundays or uh, what we've had on Wednesdays, just your personal studies or what you've listened to on the radio and you heard Chuck Swindoll preach this or Ravi Zacharias or, you know, Tony Evans or whatever, and you heard other passages. And so all of what God has said, but what, why this is so important, we live our lives based on the word of God. Amen? We live our lives based on the word of God. It's the lamp to our feet. We're not ashamed to say it. We tell, if people tell me, oh, the whole thing's a crutch to you, I'm like, it's way, it's more, way more than a crutch. It's life-giving to me. We live our lives based on the Word of God. It's wonderful counsel from our wonderful counselor. Amen? It's wonderful counsel. I, I don't get great counsel from everybody. I get good counsel from some people, but sometimes you get really bad counsel. With God, you only get excellent counsel. It's our help. It's our strength. It's our joy. It's our hope. It's our protection. And when we think of what God has said to us in the last 12 months... It includes what he's commanded, not requested, commanded, what he's instructed, what he's corrected, where he's convicted, what he's promised. Jesus taught us to live by these profound words, these three words. Jesus taught us you got to live by these three words. It is written. The more you can take everything that comes your way in life and say, it is written. Jesus took on the most powerful, high-ranking force of darkness, Satan, and he took him on with, it is written. Now, he didn't need to do that. He's Jesus. He can, just, he can do whatever he wants. He set the model for us that it is written is the strength of your life. It's the path. It's the lamp. One of the most reassuring things you and I will find 
in the instructions of God is that we don't have to come up with a plan. We have to receive a plan. We don't have to come up with one. We don't have to come up with the next step of life. How do we do this? How do I plan this? Now you get the steps from the Lord. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, the scriptures tell us. They're ordered by the Lord. You get to a certain point in life, you realize you're not smart enough to order your steps. But you are yielded enough to receive them from the Lord. We're to follow a plan, his plan, not our plan. And in the acceptance and surrender is genuine peace and freedom, the very thing people are looking for, making their own plan, which they will not find. It's settling to receive your plans from God. You know, we'll, we'll pray about everything. You know, we'll, we'll say, all right, Lord, we're going to go on a vacation, get some rest. Do, do we do this? Do we, get, we have to pray about it. And then when we get a peace, we can actually chillax about it because we know God is with it. But if we don't get a peace and we don't get a word from God, we know stay right where we're at. Don't do this. Don't move. Don't take, don't pass go, collect 200 bucks, all that stuff. Just stay right where you're at. Monopoly for the kids that don't understand that analogy right there. G. Campbell Morgan said, the man who does as he likes is the greatest slave. The man who does, the man who never does as he likes is God's free man. The man who does as he likes is slave. The man who never does as he likes is God's free man. God wants you free in the Lord to follow his word. The just will live by faith, and faith frees us, not just enslaves us. But that's lived out in response to the word of God, and praise God for all that he's revealed in our study of Hebrews this year. I, I hope it's been uh, enlightening and faith building for you to see, wow, it's all about Jesus, all the way back from the beginning. The fruit of the Spirit, our study in Jonah, if you came on Wednesday nights, guest speakers that we've had, they've all been a blessing. But just like each meal, how many of you can remember every meal you ate in 2019? <laughs> of course you can't. You can't remember all the meals. But they all contribute to your nourishment, not the Christmas cookies. They did not contribute to your nourishment, you know, all that kind of stuff. But, but the, the things that you ate that, that were kind of like a normal, I'm gonna, we're going to eat a meal, it's going to be well-balanced, you can't remember them all. Some, some of them you can't even, you don't have a clue. Some of you can't remember what you ate yesterday. I know it. But they all contributed, and it's the same with the Word of God. You can't remember every, but it was all contributing to God's work in your life. All of it. And I want to look back at just a couple of passages. We come to a close. I want to look back at a couple, just two passages that I believe were spotlights for us as the CCR body and as a family. As we take new steps of faith and we align, again, our lives to the priorities of God. And just two passages that I want to look back. And these two passages, of all the passages, they've all been great meals, but these two passages stick out like, for me, a night of the melting pot or something like that. You know, just they stick out. Just two verses. And I believe these, these two verses can address any believer, any ministry area, any church body, and a myriad of individual circumstances or specific areas. And the first one came later in the year. Um, and I shared this with you guys. And it's found in Deuteronomy. 
you've skirted this mountain long enough, turn northward. Simple statement God gives to Moses. I don't know what your mountain is. I don't know what you've been skirting. This was not a rebuke to Moses. Moses was actually in a holding pattern by God's design. It can be a rebuke from God, or it may be an encouragement from God. It can be either. Say, is this a rebuke or encouragement? Yes. It depends on where you're at. There's times where God will say something like this to you and me, and it's a rebuke. There's times where he'll say something like this, and it's not a rebuke. It's just an encouragement. It's like, all right, time to go this way. In Moses' case, he was actually faithfully in the holding pattern God had him. Some of you guys had you in a holding pattern, and you're wondering when God's going to get you out of the holding pattern, and it'll all of a sudden say, it's time to move forward. Other times, it's a rebuke of saying, you should have moved forward a long time ago. Move forward. um, What are those, and for Moses and for us, what are those new steps, those next steps that God wanted or still wants you and me to take? New steps or next steps? Because the Christian life is a series of steps. The Bible calls it a walk, calls it a race. It's not a backwards thing. It's a forward thing. We don't get any armor for the back. We only get armor for the front. So what are those new steps or next steps that God is calling us to take? I was talking to a couple of brothers uh, late in the week, and I asked them, what are a couple of bridges, spiritually speaking, a couple of bridges that you crossed this year by the prompting of the Holy Spirit? What are a couple of bridges you crossed in your life? It could be something you started to study that you had put off. It could be changing a habit. It could be I'm going to go to bed earlier. It's, it could be, I'm going to finally go and spend a night at Bonaire. I'm going to serve in children's ministry. I'm going to write those notes of forgiveness that I should have written three years ago. Whatever it is, there's steps. There's forward steps that we, and I had my own. I, have, I had a small list, and I can look back, and there's about 10 bridges I crossed. The Lord said, you can't, this month, you, you must cross this. I don't want to. You can be honest with God, but he will not say, you talked me out of it. <laughs> You'll never talk God out of anything. He'll make, he'll make the walls a little narrow so you have one direction to go, and that's forward. There's, um, with, with this command of Moses came a big battle. And when you take the steps that God ca- called you to take... You will run into some battles, and you will run into some headways, but he got big victories there. And don't you want big victories in your life? There's no victories without going forward. There's no victories without encountering the enemy. Uh, and Jesus said, but greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. So we have to be like David. We have to run to the battle. If God did it for David, he'll do it for you. He'll do it for me. The second passage was in our study in Hebrews. And again, of all the passages, I said, Lord, what are the two that spoke kind of collectively in a big, a larger context to all of us? For God is not unjust to forget your work and labor of love. See, God's not like us. He doesn't forget. We do forget. We have to work at remembering. God does not have to work at remembering. He writes a book of remembrance for us, not for him. He already can remember it all. But he's not unjust to forget your labor of love, which you have shown towards what? his name, and that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. And so then the question is, what is your labor of love? And you have to be able to assess it. Say, is my labor of love to the name of Jesus, or is it to me? I love myself. 
or when it's to him, it actually will end up going to others because you minister to the saints. It will not stay with you. You'll minister outward. It can't stay. The love of God it comes in like a river, but it runs back out like a waterfall. It can't stay in. But we also, like the people in Malachi, we can become weary in doing a labor of love, and sometimes we don't see the fruit of it. And then the writer of Hebrews saying, you've got you to remember, God hasn't forgotten. But I don't even see a bud on the tree from all this labor of love yet. God's like, don't worry, it's coming. But you, he's not unjust. So then it comes back to, um, I'm going to do, do a message in 2020 uh, uh, called, your faith has made you whole. And I've been meditating on it, and where, where it applies to every single situation in your life, the wholeness comes from what we believe in God versus what we don't believe. So if you believe that God's not unjust, you'll keep, you'll keep going with that labor of love. You'll know that he's got everything taken care of. You'll do it for his name. You'll minister to the saints because you know that God hasn't forgotten but you have to preach to yourself, amen? You have to remember these passages. They will not jump out of your Bible and follow you to work. You have to choose to remember these things. If you are laboring for hard, hard for Christ, um, God wants you to know you haven't forgotten. If you're sitting out laboring for Christ, God wants you to start laboring for Christ. It applies to all of us. If you are, you have the promise and the confidence of his blessing. He's not going to forget. And the question is, are we laboring for his kingdom? And we're growing love. And if we're not, why not? It's speaking to all of us. Remember, God wrote some things down. He wrote the whole Bible down that we would remember. And I want to give us a little end-of-the-year homework for the last couple of days. It's super simple. You can pass this with 100% grade. Or simple little homework as we come to the end of the year. And um, I think it will be a blessing and further prepare us uh, for God's work and grace in our lives in 2020. Uh, here it is. Before midnight, before midnight on 1231, which I believe is Tuesday, right? So before midnight, write down two, two categories. Uh, Number one, two to three things God did for you this year. Did for you or in you, and you know it was him. Two or three things that God did in you or for you this year, write it down. And number two, two to three things God very clearly said in his word that you acted upon or have yet to act upon, and you know those verses spoke to you. They're like an arrow that hit the mark uh, Two or three verses that God, or something God clearly said to you that you've acted on and responded to, even if a small, super small, but still identifiable way, you know you've acted upon it or you've yet to act upon it, and God is still impressing that same word to you to say, this is what I said, and it's for you. Two to three things God did for you, two to three things God said to you. Now, Here's how intentional you have to be. You A, have to write this down. I'll post it on our Calvary Tales for those of you on the Facebook site, and I think I can have Nicole send it out on the email too. So you'll have those reminders. I'll promise to do my part. But if you don't actually schedule that you're going to do this, you probably won't do it. 
In other words, you have to say, we're going to do it. Like, we're as a family, we're going to do it breakfast, New Year's Eve morning as a family. They just found that out. But I knew this. I already knew this. They just found this out. It's already been in my plan. It's already on my schedule. So now it's on their schedule. But if you don't schedule it for yourself or with someone, it probably won't happen. What's important we do, what's not important we don't do. And God wrote down, in heaven he wrote down about the children of Israel. And if he can write, we can write. Amen? He wants us to write it down. And, And to think about it. See, now you have to think between now and midnight, you have to think, just two things God did for me and two things God has said to me, me personally, and write them down. And then if you have a family, you want to share them with each other. If it's super private, that's, you can keep that to yourself. But the things that aren't, it's good. It's said in Malachi that they spoke to one another. They reminded one another. If you don't have a family and you're single, ask someone here, can I call you on the phone this week and tell you? I guarantee you the people on the other end of this room will not say, no, I don't have time for you. <laughs> I believe they'll say, yes, give me a time. Let's set it up. I'd love to hear from you. All right? So that's, that's it. That's the two things that I'm just asking. And I believe that it, it's kind of our end of year already putting one foot in the new year to say, Lord, we want to with purpose and on purpose remember you. Amen? Let's close in prayer. Father, we bow again before you. You are great and awesome, as we read earlier. And, Lord, we don't want to forget what you've said to us, what you've done in us and through us, for we certainly couldn't do it on our own. You alone have kept us alive. And, Lord, you alone have a plan and a purpose and a step for us to take. And we ask, Lord, that we would, with willing hearts, remember and respond to your gracious word of truth and direction in our lives. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.